yeah, there's so many things to explore with disability. And that's what excites me is like, even if it's not about disability, throw in a disabled character, you'll get to know more about the world. You know, it's like, there's just so many rich opportunities for it. And I am excited to have more stuff made. I'm like, I'm just ready to shoot things. I'm like, let's go. Let's, let's shoot more stuff. That's my favorite part of filmmaking is like the actual making of it. It's so interesting and you're rushed against time. But then like when you capture something and you get that magic in that moment, that's like, that was really good. That was really real. That felt great. It's like a piece of a puzzle. Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. Hi, Ashley. How are you? Welcome to Disabled and Proud. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. I think this is, I'm so excited about this chat. So the first thing that I like to ask everybody is how do you refer to your disability? Because I believe that as people with disabilities, you could have two of the same people in a room and they completely refer to their disabilities absolutely differently. So how do you refer to yours? Um, So I have a physical disability. Uh, It's a rare bone disease. It's called Ollier's disease and Mifushi syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, They're kind of one in the same thing. I more have a classification of Mifushi syndrome, um, but they're very closely related. And kind of my whole life, I thought I was diagnosed with Ollier's, but it's actually Mifushi's, but they're kind of related. It's it's a little complicated because there's not a ton of research about it, but what it does is it affects the growth of your bones and um, it can create you to be shorter. It can create some of your limbs to be shorter or shaped differently. And it really mostly affects one side of your body more than the other. Uh Um, So my right side is affected more and I've had over like 30 surgeries. I've kind of lost count now. I'm like, (laughs) it's somewhere around 25 and 30. Um, and it's been, you know, mostly corrective surgeries, but I've also had, um, ovarian cancer due to my disease that created a tumor. Um, and I had ovarian cancer twice. So, um, that's, that's pretty much a sums it up. It's really complicated and the, the issues kind of keep, it's definitely a a chronic illness that I'm always dealing with, always going to the doctor in pain, you know, some days more than others. And, um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's really interesting because it's so rare that I didn't really know anyone who had my disability for almost like 30 years of my life. And then I found a Facebook group, um, on, uh, on Facebook and, and connect, started connecting with people, which was mind blowing to actually, you know, live in this body that not a lot of people have. And then to end up connecting with people and seeing little kids with your disease and, you know, it just really opened my mind to being more vulnerable and actually like wanting to show my body and be more open and not so self-conscious. So that's the journey. I was I was going to ask that question actually, and I'm so glad that you you kind of answered the question before it got answered. Is is did you have like a sense of community with it with it being so rare? And and how? Yeah. That, has that? Yeah, I mean the community. You? Yeah, the community has really transformed my life not not just with people who have my bone disease because it's so rare but it manifests in very different ways like mm-hmm. i probably have more of a severe case of it but other people sometimes it just affects like their finger or their leg but you never really see it it, it may be like one or two surgeries they may still feel like the the chronic pain mm-hmm. but um you know I, I just connecting with people in the disability community in general has been life changing for me and i ended up going to a retreat in 2018 called she lift mm-hmm. and i met other women you know it's not i don't think it's still around but um, I met other women who have a lot of limb differences. Yeah. And so that is where I really started connecting with people and meeting women my age who are just like talking about what it's like when they go to a bar and someone notices that they're different. And that experience felt so yeah. similar to mine. We're like, I can kind of hide it, not totally. I mean, if I'm walking around, you can tell. But if I'm sitting at a bar, wear a certain jacket, you know, wear pants, like 
no one can tell at first, you know, and then they notice later and talking about that difference and how people really treat you differently when they know that you have a disability, especially in dating. And, you know, it, it was the first time of me going, you know, listening to these women talk and hear them explain their stories and go, wow, like, I wish they weren't so self-conscious because they're amazing. And Mm -hmm. then kind of reflecting that back onto myself. So it was like a huge healing journey of like self-love and then also seeing kids who have your same condition and go, oh my God, I don't want them to feel self-conscious, but like I have to start showing myself, you know, and like being, being not self-conscious so they don't feel like they have to hide it. It's a really interesting journey, but it's like, once you can get outside of yourself and your own experience, like that's what, uh, has really made me open up and and feel like, you know, proud to be disabled, which like for 30 years of my life, I was very ashamed of it, you know, and did not even want to identify with the word, did not want to talk about surgeries, not want to show any photos of me looking different. And that's kind of completely changed. I mean, it can still be hard. I still have insecurities, you know, but um, I think every human on this earth has insecurity. So yeah, I think I it'd be really strange if I didn't. Yeah, exactly. I was literally about to be like, I think if you didn't have any insecurities, you, you probably need to go and seek out some help. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, there might be an ego issue if I didn't have insecurities. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's so true what you say about like dating and going to bars and stuff. Because I know that if I wear a jacket and I walk into a bar like you can't necessarily tell that I don't have a hand like it's not the first thing and then I take my jacket mm-hmm. off and people are like, <gasps> like yeah where, where did it go yeah. like, oh it, it was never there like yeah yeah <laughs> you just imagined really it there and this yeah it doesn't change anything really about who you are yeah you know except you're probably like a better person for it I think a lot of the disabled people I've met are really like amazing not everyone not every disabled person is amazing and a good person but yeah. you know I think it almost does something to your character in a way that shapes who you are and you have more empathy in the world you're like you know it's yeah it's interesting and what I absolutely loved is the trailer for your film single <laughs> when she's checking out at the at the grocery store like I was dying the first time I saw it because I was like I've had that experience so yeah. many times and I've never seen it translate onto film so yeah. well ever and I was like oh my god this is my life like I get yeah. this so much <laughs> yeah I yeah it. and I think you didn't yeah. see right until the end and I ap- I absolutely mm. loved it I was like thank the lord like I have actually maybe for the first time in my entire life seen myself represented on the big screen and that's never happened yeah yeah, yeah, it's so important and and I didn't really understand representation when I was, you know, coming up in the industry. I've been uh working for like 12 years in in Hollywood being an assistant and everyone would talk about representation and I'd be like, "Okay, that's not me because I'm a white woman." Because I had such cognitive dissonance from my disability <laughs> and that like I feel so othered like you know, in a way that is like so different than a skin color, but also has a similarity. Like it's this interesting like um, relation, but I was never kind of like thinking about how representation had an effect on me until I worked with John Chu on Crazy Rich Asians. I was his assistant and that movie, you know, it was really disruptive for Asian representation and they weren't the stereotypes that we see in a lot of American or, you know, Western films. And, um, that people were sending him letters of like my entire life. I've been ashamed of being, you know, Asian because I felt like we are so othered in America. And this film is like giving me a voice and makes me feel seen and makes me feel proud. And I was like, wait a second. Like I've never seen someone with a disability on screen that I really like truly connected with and like felt wasn't a stereotype or was an actual disabled person or, you know, and I was like, Oh my gosh, what if all this shame I had my entire life is because I wasn't seeing it. I was, when I was imagining myself dating, you know, when I was 
in middle school, imagining myself dating, you know, as, you know, a person in their twenties, I imagined myself as able body, like non-disabled. And when I'd imagine myself getting married, I'd imagine myself like magically having a non-disabled body and like at work and being a mother and all these things, I didn't imagine like the body that I had. Uh And that was because I was never like exposing myself to like all these representations I saw of like these life markers yeah. We're never with a disabled body. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's why I felt shame. That's why I get so scared of every like change in life or m- next milestone. Like, I don't know what to expect because I've never what it seen like. it. Yeah. Or explored it. And that, you know, really made me go, oh my gosh, you know, and at this time, this was in when I did my soul pancake, it was 2017 Mm -hmm. and there was not a ton of people public about their disabilities on the internet. And since 2017 to 2000, Oh, there's a ambulance going by. Um, no worries. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but since like 2017 until now, 2022, so many people are open about their disabilities on the internet and social media that I am like, it's a completely different place when I did my thing in 2017 like there wasn't a lot of people posting stuff out there and I was like so scared to do this soul pancake and like show my body and show my arms and show you know talk about my disability like it was horrifying for me when that came out in 2017 I couldn't even watch it and I was like bawling crying when it went live and then it ended up going viral, which like I did not expect at all. It was more something I was like doing for myself, yeah. you know, to like and doing for my community. Like I thought this is a video I'm going to post in that little Facebook group and be like, here you go. You know, like I don't like, want to be my contribution. Thank me later. Yeah. yeah. Like kind of just like, here's this thing that I'm doing for myself, but also doing because I want other people to not feel ashamed and like to force myself out of my comfort zone. And it ended up going viral in a way where like I was forced like overnight to stop hiding my body. Even like when I would post pictures that didn't show my whole body, people would come in and be like, I see you're hiding again. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, this doesn't change overnight. Like my shame has been embedded for 30 years. And like for me to just all of a sudden every day, post my body is like, it's, I'm also not really wanting to be an influencer, like yeah. on camera a ton. So I'm like, this isn't my personality anyway. So, um, it's, you know, it's just a, it, it was an interesting process, but it's just a different world that we're living in now. And like representation is everywhere on social media. Like I follow, you know, so many, like thousands of people who have disabilities that are just so open with it and talk about it and do different things. And, you know, it's really amazing and empowering the environment we've, we have for like kids growing up of that exposure. That's like one of the positives of social media is like these people are feeling valid and seen and proud. And like, even these people that I follow, they're making me feel more proud to be disabled, you know, and we just don't see it like in mainstream TV and film as much yet, but I know it's coming. Like there's so many projects that are in development and being filmed or happening. You know, I even directed um, two episodes of TV, two different shows of TV last year that'll come out later in the fall that star leads with disabilities. And you're like, that's, it's so exciting that that, that is huge as well. Cause when I huge. think about, and I, I said this in the very first episode of this podcast that I did with Lou, I said to her, I have never seen myself as I was growing up. I never saw myself on TV in a beauty campaign as a lead, Mm -hmm. as a romantic interest. I never saw myself Mm -hmm. in a sex scene ever. So was that possible for me? I didn't know for a really, really long time. And I I never saw myself like on TV unless it was, oh my goodness, this this person is going for something really big, like being on the X Factor. Aren't they incredible? Because they only have one hand. And I was like, yeah, that's all good and well, but she can't sing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Right. Like not being why very is it amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like everyone giving excuses. Like that's been a huge thing for me as a filmmaker is like, I don't want people to look at me and go, oh, it's good for disability content. I want people to go, well, wow, that was really good. And it was shot well. And it was, and it was an well written. And yeah, you know, and like, that is really important to me that, and it might be even, you know, out of a place of insecurity of people going, 
you know, oh, you're good and like patting you on the head. You know, I want, I don't want that. I'm like, I don't, I want to be good just because it's good filmmaking, not because, you know, it's like good for a lesser community or something. You know, that's what people are kind of saying when they say these things are good and they're not where, you know, it's a whole thing, but um, yeah, it's, it's an, it's, it's, it's really interesting and and it's exciting how it's shifted. I mean, the thing about social media and the thing that I love doing a lot too is discovering people like social media allows you to find these people who have these disabilities where they are open enough to put themselves on, uh, like on social media. So that's really great. And they potentially could be an actress or an actor. You just don't know. You have to like work with them and audition them and see if they have something there. We're like, acting is a really hard skill and not everyone can be an actor. I think it's like something you're a little born with, like yeah. able to channel this way, you know, to act really natural and recreate emotions. Um, but, you know, these, a lot of these people grow up or if they're adults, they never thought they would be an actor because they're like, Oh, I'm too different. Like for me, I grew up, I mean, I like worked in the industry for 12 years, but a lot of my friends were doing extra like background casting stuff. So like, Uh you know, you're in the background of the scene and you get money, you go spend 12 hours there and you just walk back and forth and you're just like, (laughs) you know, a person in a crowd, but they would make like decent money doing it. Um, And they, you know, my friends are like, you should do it. And I'm like, I could never do it because someone would see me and go, wait, why is that person there? Like what it, I'm so confused or like, you know, yeah. even though I exist out in the real world, it's like I I made that limitation for myself because like I wasn't seeing it anywhere. I'm like, I don't normally see disabled people in the background of movies because it has to like if, if they're going to be there, there has to be a point why they're there. Yeah. And, you know, it's like it's so interesting how it's shifted. We're now, you know, like it's it's just different. And I and I'm excited for that because as a filmmaker, I can find these people and we can imagine new stories because I can go, here's a hundred people I found off social media. Maybe only one or two of them can actually act, but I'm going to, I found them and we're going to find them through these processes for stuff that the people who aren't there yet, you know what I mean? There are a lot of disabled actors who are making their way in Hollywood or have been around for decades. And, you know, for me, it's like, sometimes I write these characters. I'm like, Oh, they don't exist in that box yet. You know? And some things I write for people that I found, like I collaborated with Kira Allen, who I saw her in run on Netflix. She's a wheelchair user. And I was like, I'm going to write something for her because she's so good and she's interesting. And like, I just want to work with her. And so we worked on a short called roommates that I directed together. So that's kind I of... have watched the trailer for Roommates so many times because <laughs> obviously I can't find it anywhere. And I've been like, I need yeah. to know what happens. Like, they look like they're having such a good time. Like, why am I not invited? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. it was really fun to make. And like, we're hoping we can make it into a feature and kind of like a book smart meets super bad. Like, yeah, just that fun. Very and, that vibe. Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we're hoping that gets made. But um, yeah, she's great. And, and um yeah, it's just it's a really it's a really exciting time for like disabled artists, like filmmakers, writers, directors, um, actors and actresses. Yeah. And I would I would really love to talk about um Forgive Us Our Trespasses because I think that's mm-hmm. such a powerful, powerful film. And I've I've watched it at least 10, 10 or eleven times. And <laughs> It's it's the opening sequence that that sets me off immediately because it's mm-hmm. it's exactly what was taught in N- Nazi Germany. Like that was mm-hmm. a real rhetoric from from, mm-hmm. from when that happened. And what I right. find so interesting about that film is, firstly, it's beautifully done. Like it makes me cry every single time, and I think that's maybe because Thank I you. relate so so deeply with the main character mm-hmm. because we have the same disability. But secondly. In the end, you know, when you have all the writing up about how this actually happened and how it's never spoken about. And I have sat and I've made people watch it and be like, had I been alive, like, let, let's say 90 years ago, right, when World War II happened, mm-hmm. I would be dead. Like, I would have been right. hunted, like, like literally hunted because that's exactly what they did. And I think it's such a powerful, powerful film. And I would love right. to know how well, how you came up with the idea of it and, mm-hmm. and, and the process of it. Cause I think it's just, it's so beautifully done. 
Thank you. Yeah, we, um, so that was made for Netflix's emerging filmmaker initiative. And so I heard about this program through a friend, they watched single and decided to kind of meet with me to talk about, um, if I wanted to make something and they wanted to have it be genre. So it was like action thriller, you know, period, some, something that is like genre because Netflix really loves doing that type of stuff. And so I brought them three different ideas and I collaborated with my husband who we co-wrote and kind of developed these ideas together. And one was like a horror ghost story. One was like a story about a surfer. That's kind of a, I know what you did last summer. <laughs> and then one is like, a, um, one was forgive us our trespasses and, and they immediately were drawn to forgive us our trespasses. And they were like, we can't believe we didn't really know about this history. And, yeah, so you know, like washed over, like it's, not, it's, it's so washed over spoken about. Yeah. And I mean, it's something that it was horrifying for me to realize that I never knew about it and that, you know, it was the way that they developed gas chamber technology. Like that was so heartbreaking. And also like the more alarming thing about it is like parents were giving up their kids. Like the, our film is different where it's the mom fighting for a kid and trying to create an escape plan. Yeah. But so many parents were like, okay, I'll give them, you know, or they were, they came to their house and said, Hey, we need to, to do a checkup. We need to, you know, take them in for assessment. And then they would take them. And then these kids would be in the hospital and then they report back to the parents and be like, Oh, we're so sorry. Your kid got tuberculosis and they passed away. So like it was hidden as well from the parents of what was going on, which is like, horrible you know and and um we want to expand this into like a feature idea to explore it more but you know our character like peter is uh made up like we we didn't use a factual character that we knew because there isn't a ton of history that you know of people that actually survived there are people but it's like a story that you can fit into 10 minutes, you know, that we want to tell that's conveying the ideas and captivating the audience. Um, we decided to make up our character, which like Saving Private Ryan made up character, Titanic made up character, you know, like <laughs> you take the history and you kind of build a world around a made up character. And then you're also like, you know, not stepping on someone's life and their story and making it entertainment. You know, I think it's yeah. like, it's that fine line and we decide to go, you know, with the making it up. And and we also wanted it to be in English because these were Germans because uh -huh. it's for a Western audience. Like, you know, a lot of my friends over in Europe were like, Oh, I actually knew about this. And we studied it in school, but for some reason in the West, like in America and Canada, like people don't know about this. And so we no. wanted to make it more accessible to, you know, English audiences and, and for them not to gloss over it and say, oh, this is a foreign film, you know, not watch yeah, it or something, exactly. which like, you know, unfortunately, like people do that. But, um, you know, so we um, decided to pursue this and, um, you know, it's in, in our story. I mean, it's every I'm adapting a lot of things that are true and like yeah. Hollywood is entertainment your life isn't a movie so you have to kind of make up pieces in between so it's watchable you know and otherwise it's a documentary and with a narrative like there's definitely things that we took that aren't 100% factual like they weren't hunting down kids in German tanks but they were collecting kids in blacked out buses and going around and picking them up like it's you know, and, and if a kid tried to run away, they would definitely be killed. So it's like kind of taking history and using some of the, you know, the facts and, and a lot of what actually happened too that we don't kind of feature in this film because it's only 10 minutes is a lot of the kids that were already institutionalized, like they were, you know, put to a hospital because people were scared of them. And, and, you know, it was mostly hereditary diseases, but with limb differences, like, they didn't know at the time that these weren't hereditary. They didn't know you couldn't pass it on to a kid. They just saw that you didn't have a limb and were freaked out that you were different, you know, where as we know, most of like congenital amputees are not, it's not passed on. It's not hereditary. It's <laughs> yeah. So, but it's like, they would think that, you know, and, and my, my bone disease is like 
not hereditary, but it's genetic, which means that it's, it's not passed down, but it was because I was born in something within my genes, you know, and, and they wouldn't know that in the 1940s. Like there's barely research that tells us that right now about my bone disease. So it's, you know, it's really, um, it's anyone who is different. You know, my, uh, my husband's dad was born with club feet. Like he would have been for sure. You know, there were, we, there's pictures from actual kids who have club feet who were taken. Um, and, um, it's, it's, it was horrifying, like learning about the history and, you know, we had him win in the end because I was thinking about all the kids with limb differences or people who would watch this and like, just for him to get murdered and that's it you know, you're already going to learn the really hard facts about it with that little scroll, yeah. you know, at the end. And so I'm like, I need some kind of moment of hero, you know, because we never see that too. So that's why we decided for him to win uh, in the end there. And um, yeah, you know, we, there's so much to explore with it. Like we want to build it out into a feature and see what happens with it. But um, yeah, that's kind of how the, how the film came about. And then we found Knox because I had been following him on Instagram for like two years, Yeah, which is always how these things happen. And um, I ended up using his images actually in the pitch. And then I told his mom like, Hey, I want to use these images. Um, I don't know if this thing is going to happen with Netflix. And when they ended up giving us the green light, they were like, can we try and find someone who's closer and not in Australia? And you were like, <laughs> and so. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, we can try, but I, you know, this, it's a hard process. Like I've been through it multiple times and I think people are sometimes too optimistic. I mean, you will find them is the amazing thing, but you have to go through like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to find those kids. And, you know, we start finding people in Canada and in the U S but some of them were like, worried about COVID testing. They were like, I don't want the thing stuck up my nose or, you know, and this was in November, 2020. So like everything was still scary and new time, time pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was like, uh, you know, no wonder they were nervous and scared to travel or to do all this. And, and I ended up saying like, I think Knox is it, you know, and, and they were like, all right, we're going to fly him over. And I love his mom, Kate, and like him because they were just so eager and so excited. And like they had to quarantine for two weeks when they got here. They stayed about a month. We only shot for five days, but you have to prep and you have to do rehearsals yeah, and you have to do fittings and all this stuff. Um, and then they had when they went back, they had to quarantine again for two weeks back in Australia. So they did a month of quarantine to be able <laughs> to work on our film, which like was amazing because they were just so you know he'd never done this before and on like an actual film like a narrative film with a big crew and you know he's been in some commercials and music video stuff but nothing at the scale that we did so it was really uh really exciting for for him and and you know he did an amazing job and you know it was it was definitely a learning curve for me and you know he never really done narrative acting before and it was tough like you're in masks most of the time when you're not actually shooting. Yeah. So I'm like rehearsal. I'm like, you guys need to take off your mask because I can't, I can't see your expression, you know? And that's so much of what acting is. is like the eyes and the face. And yes. so, um, yeah, it was, it was, and I mean, Hank, uh, Hannah Catalbit, who plays his mom is like an incredible actress. I'm like, she needs to blow up and be huge because she's just amazing. And she was really great with, with Knox too, of bringing him back into character. And, you know, Knox in the beginning was like, this feels silly. Like, we're just like pretending. And I'm like, that's what <laughs> making movies is. Like, you know, there's a Nazi chasing at him and like pointing a gun at him. And he was like laughing. And I'm like, okay, we need to take a breather and like talk about what's happening in your life as the character right now. You know, it's not quite the vibe where I was going for, but like, let's readjust. Yeah. Like, we'll have our moment we can readjust, but let's get back into how it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. It and was, I uh, love how, how your the way that you've like processed being a disabled woman has, has now come. So like become such a pivotal point for your work, because I think what you say is, is so true that there is real underrepresentation, but it is an exciting time because representation is 
starting to happen. And I think it's right. I think it's Viola Davis who says that you need to see a physical version of what you want so that you can visualize it. Because if you don't have that, then how are you meant to know what it looks like? Which right. makes sense to what you say about, you know, there were pointers in your life that you couldn't see because you hadn't seen something like it before. Yeah. And I yeah. I love how that's become like a real focal point for your work because I think like I genuinely implore everybody to watch um, Figure with Our Trespasses on Netflix because I think it's I think it's brilliant. Like it's 10 minutes long. Thank you. But it makes it's a quick watch. Some make- people did not know it was a <laughs> it was a short and they were like, what? Are you kidding me? It was only 10 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, the short. <laughs> it, like honestly it made me ball my eyes out in 10 minutes and that's like that's hard work like I'm not really that yeah. much of a crier and I was actually there and I was like oh my goodness <laughs> yeah and um, yeah it- there's still mo- moments when I watch it because it makes me think about like all the scared kids and kids yeah. who didn't know what was going on and are like you know I mean it's the holocaust in general is horrifying yeah. and but being like different you're born and everyone's scared of you already and then you actually get killed because of that thing is like it's traumatizing you know and the people who lost their lives and the parents who were trying to fight back and the parents who you know it it, it, it and and how much it can relate to today and like what lives are more worthy and like healthcare and how we, you know, oh, we can't take you if you have a pre-existing condition, which is like every person with a disability. And that was me growing up. It was like my mom terrified about me not getting insurance. Yeah. And until like Obamacare came along, I couldn't have, I couldn't go buy my own insurance. I had to have a job that had the right insurance for me to survive and live my life, you know? And, and it's, it's just like, it's, kind of messed up that it works that way like the system genuinely blows my brain every it is single time horrifying. I have with someone about it it genuinely blows my mind I worked in New York for a bit and when I was over there I remember a friend of mine had a, like he couldn't go to sleep at night because he had a really bad tooth problem and he was like I just need to hold out until I get home he was like I'm just gonna hold out until I get home and I was yeah. like don't hold out until you can get home. I was like, you need to go and get that scene. I was like, cause you're bawling your eyes out. And like, you've got work to do. And he ended up going right. to the dentist and it ended up costing an arm and a leg, like literally an arm and a leg just to get a tooth removed. And because obviously we have the NHS and we're incredibly fortunate that we don't have to pay for things like that. I remember him like ringing up his parents being like, guys, I've just had my tooth out and it's like going to cost like five grand. And they were like, what <laughs> like how is that possible it's, it's honestly one of the biggest pains because it's really fascinating like canada my husband's canadian uh-huh. and like no one is scared to use their health care no one has to go i'm gonna wait or stay home or not go because it's gonna cost too much and i'm like that is so dangerous to people's health. Like cancer can get found and cured. And yeah. if you go to the doctor and have it checked out, you know, and it's just something that like really is upsetting. And um, it's interesting that like the people who are born different without their choice, without, you know, any, any, it just happens. Yeah. And it's like, we are punished because of that. And it's just such an unfair world where you almost feel like if society was good, and society was progressive, it'd be like, we're actually going to help the people who, you know, are disabled. And, and you actually get a little bit of a leg up in life because you had to be born with this disability and like, there's, you know, disability benefits, but then they only, they let you basically stay at the poverty line. If you get those, like, if you make too much money, you lose them. So it's like, it, it just doesn't make sense the way it's set up. And it's something, the more, you know, I've never gone on disability because I've, you know, just been working. And and I remember I tried when I was like 18 or 19 and I got denied because my, my disability, I can, I guess I can work without too many limitations. Uh-huh. Um, and, but it was something where I was like going through school and someone was like, you should try this. Like there's these benefits and they, they denied me, but it's just like the way it's set up and the way there's people who actually like need it and you can't survive off the money that they're giving you. Like it's, it's literally just not enough money to live in today's world. And it's, it's, it's something that I'm definitely like future projects I have are kind of addressing it. And like, yeah. you know, even, even roommates, yeah. the future version of roommates, it's like two girls 
drinking, having fun at college, but it addresses this. It talks about those things, you know, and not in the short, but in the feature version, it's like, why is everything so expensive? Like, this isn't fair, you know? So it's, uh, it's really fascinating. It is. And it's so interesting, especially because obviously like I'm in the UK, I don't have that. So like, for example, if I need to go and get a new prosthetic, I don't have to pay for it. Like I don't have to pay for that appointment. Yeah. I don't have to pay for the yeah. materials. I don't have to pay anything towards it. If I need to get like new socks for my limb, I can literally ring up the clinic and be like, Hey, I need some more socks. And they're like, yeah, we'll get it in the post. No worries. And like, yeah. And like every yeah access. And for me, that genuinely just blows my mind. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and then they say that's why America has the best doctors or the best, like that money is the only thing feeling the best. Yeah. And you're like, this is, there has to be another way. There has to be another way where medicine and medical and being a doctor and like all this stuff isn't incentivized by money. (laughs) Like I don't make a lot of money filmmaking. Like you can, if you become really big, but I'm like, I don't do it for the money because you live decades of your life trying to make it as a filmmaker where no one cares. And you're broke. And I'm like, I'm still doing my job, you know? And it's like, it's a really interesting thing that like, that's okay to like, when it, when it has to do with people's like well-being, that that is, is there's this incentive to become very rich and that's feels wrong. I don't know. That's my opinion on it. And I know there's people who think differently, but I, you know, I mean, yeah, it's just interesting. There's a lot of doctors who seem to not really care <laughs> you know you're like you wish you had a doctor who actually cared about how you know your well-being yeah sometimes they don't so it's yeah it's it's a very and I think again and I've spoken about this before is that medical like diagnosis of disability and societal societal diagnosis of disability are always very very right. different things very different yeah I, I'm not sure that they will ever match up like I'm I'm not sure there's ever going to be like a, a bridge to to fix the gap right because I don't think the medical um world is as open to it as society is Right. obviously with medicine it's very much about ticking boxes and, and, I, and I do understand why because that's how medicine works. Like it's there to fix a right. problem. Right. But also at the same time, the medical world loves to see disability as a problem. Whereas I, I don't think a disability is a problem at all. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's, it's, yeah. life it's like a solution. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's been, it's really interesting and like, it's complicated. Like that's the thing. There's nuance to it and no one ever wants to have discussions about nuance and that things are complex and for me, it's like, do I wish there were certain elements of my disability that could be cured? I do because there, it keeps getting worse and more problems arise and more issues complicate my life in a way where I'm like, oh, can we just get it to stop changing? <laughs> you know, like stop growing. Like there's things where I'm like, some days I really dislike being disabled because I'm in so much pain. And I'm like, there's that. And then there's, you know, when I did single and I met Delaney who plays the girl who has, you know, she's a congenital amputee. And it's like, she's like, I've literally been to the doctor like twice. And I don't even know if I have like amniotic band syndrome or what it is. You know, she's like, yeah. I have no idea. And I'm like, that's such a different experience than me, you know? And I'm like, I don't see her disability as a problem. And there's ways to adapt and way for society to help utilize, you know, the tools that she does have or the way that she does things to make it easier, you know, and, and to aid, you know, just like adaptive stuff is great and, and ways to to do that. And and it's more about society not judging her, you know. But for me, I'm like, it's just so complex where I'm like, no, I don't want the medical doctors to stop working for a cure. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah. keep going. There's a medication. I can take that will make it easier for me. I want to take it, you know, and it's, um, it's complicated, you know? And I think, I think it is like the most thing to fix is like society's view of it, of like that people with a disability are less than, and you feel sorry for me and you feel like I'm, you know, not, you know, I, I'm, I'm, there's always like a tone of, Oh, well, good for you. Like really like keep going, you know? And you're like, 
that feels patronizing and that feels like there's something hidden behind this that you do feel bad for me and you do feel like you never really see me as equal to just a person who's non-disabled you know and I think that's so so true because I've said again I've said it before and I'll say it again is society has seemed to to equate disabled to an adequate and like mm-hmm. the two are very mm-hmm. interlinked and especially talking to right. someone who is not disabled they will never mm-hmm. outrightly say all oh, disability equals inadequacy but you you know that there is some level of that underlying and that's nobody's fault that's society's fault and that's how society has been working for x amount of years however now it's time to take back the power and disability does not mean inadequacy at all right at all right Right. I agree with that. Um, Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think it's shifting a little bit, you know, I mean, it's, I think the exposure first is good, like on social media, but then it's like, I look at some people's comments and it's like, keep up the hard work or like, (laughs) and they're just like, hi, this is how I do this thing, you know, and whatever they're trying to do exposure on. And someone's like, wow, good for you. Like you have such a, you know, it's just like, it feels like icky. And, and I think, um, that, you know, this is the first phase of it. And then we have to have the films and TV shows that are really humanizing these characters of like, so you kind of don't even like think about it or see it as an identifying characteristic of that person, you know, like that's my big thing is like disabled people are all very different, like so many different personalities, so many different types of people have disabilities. And that's what I think like TV and film can do is like just show this wide range and array of characters and people. And like some are assholes, some are really great, some are nice, some are mean, some are, you know, like some, you know, are very spiritual, some are not, some are, you know, like it can just be all over the map. And I think that's, you know, culture is so much defined by like film and television, whether we like it or not, you know. So with all of this, would you say that you have one piece of advice for either a younger version of yourself or for someone mm-hmm. with the same disability as you? This could be like going after their career choice. This could be in life. Is there anything that you would say to them or to a younger version of yourself? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I wish someone told me or, you know, because I grew up with a lot of shame and internalized ableism. And like, I did not like what I saw when I looked in the mirror. Like I was very much like, I would turn mirrors away when I was a kid. I would like, just, I would like not, I didn't like looking in the mirror. I liked looking at a mirror from like here down, Yeah, you know, and being like, okay, I can like put on makeup and look pretty and I can do this, you know? And, but it created such a cognitive dissonance from my mind. And like, I would hide my body in pictures. I would do so many things to avoid confronting it. And I never knew that once you start familiarizing yourself with your body, like I now have a bunch of full length mirrors. I will stand in the mirror, you know, naked, or I will stand in the mirror in a swimsuit, or I will, you know, these things that used to really like, if I used to see my body, I would be like really depressed about it. I'd be like, Oh, I forgot. That's what it looked like because I was like separating myself from it, you know, and like hiding in pictures. So everything I thought about myself was like, oh, that's what I look like. It's very similar to like, if you use a filter on your face, on everything you do, and then you look in the mirror, you know, the filter on, or you don't have, you know, the, the, the thing that wipes away all your blemishes and you're like, oh, I feel ugly today. But it's like, no, you're basically showing yourself a different identity and you're not used to it. So what happened to me is like, once I started putting my body out there, taking the pictures with my arms, showing with my legs, showing with my scars, showing with my different shaped limbs, mm-hmm. I looked at it and it's the not the first time, not the second time, not the you know 20th time I did it, but the 21st time I did it, I looked at my body and I went, oh, weird. Like, I kind of feel like my body is like healing itself or like fixing or like something about it is like different. And I was like, oh my God, I'm just seeing it differently. My mind and my brain is changing about how I used to think it was terrible because I'm used to it. I'm like, oh, this is like home. You know, I mean, it's like if you think if every single person was born in my body, it wouldn't be weird. It wouldn't feel ugly. You know, it wouldn't feel strange. And, you know, if, if 
everyone was born without a nose, <laughs> but I was the only person born without a nose. Everyone would be like, what is that thing on your face? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's, it made me realize like that exposure to myself is so important. And I like force myself to do it now. And I'm like way more comfortable with who I am. I'm like, that was a huge shift. And I always thought there would never be a day that I looked in the mirror and I would like those things that I hate about myself. Yeah. And it's shifted. It's shifted. And it's not like, oh my God, it's so great and beautiful. (laughs) I love it. But it's more... I'm able to accept it as like a body part. Yeah. You know, and like more appreciation there as well for what your body can. Yeah. Yeah. And what you've been through and what, you know, and like, there's such a thing right now, especially with Gen Z. That's like the most exciting to me is like uniqueness is like amazing, you know, and all these kids who have disabilities that are famous on TikTok, I'm like, and people are interested and they have a million views is like, that was never the case growing up for me. It was like, if someone had a disability and was in a video, they were getting made fun of. Yeah. Or it was inspirational, like BS. Like we feel bad for them. How sweet, you know? Yeah. So that's probably my, my biggest thing is just like, keep exposing yourself to yourself and like confront those things you don't like. And when you realize you're being insecure, like instead of wearing the big jacket, wear the short sleeve, you know, and like, you're gonna have to deal with people looking at and like staring at you the rest of your life. I mean, that's just something kids do it, you know, and kids aren't exposed to a ton. And it's like, hopefully with, with media and, you know, more kids shows coming out that are inclusive, it won't be strange anymore. So they'll just be like, Oh, you know, I've seen that somewhere. I'm able to identify with it. So and, that, and then that also goes back to the whole like physical representation. Like you have to see it mm-hmm. to know that it can be done. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it all, it all does tie into one. And I think, you know, especially, especially because your work is predominantly film TV, mm-hmm. there's such a scope for goodness there because you can really like hone in on that, which is amazing. Yeah. And I mean, I also like never saw someone with a disability being a director in Hollywood. Like it took me probably 10 years of like figuring out what my career was going to be after, you know, the minute I got into college, it wasn't until I was like 27, I think that I started being like, I think I want to direct, which is like, that's kind of the top job in the industry and it felt terrifying because I was like, I don't think people, people are going to be too distracted by my body to think I can actually do this. Yeah. You know, and, and I just pushed past that anyways, which like, it was, it's very scary and it still can be scary, but there's so much like authenticity that Hollywood knows is important. So I have an asset now, of, like I can tell these stories from a place of not pitying our community, looking out for them, but also like not being afraid to address the things that everyone gets really scared around disability. They're like, oh, I don't want to say anything bad or, you know, and I, and I'm just like, I'm just going to jump into it because I am disabled and I'm human and someone's probably going to say the wrong thing about me. And I know that like, you don't always have to, you know, people will have the grace for you if you can also say like I'm sure you don't understand the language of everything about my body so yeah, exactly. you know. so yeah. with all of this I personally have one question that I find really annoys me about my disability when other people ask it and it tends to be what happened yeah that's like a whole thing of like people asked it when I was really little when I was little like the woman in Australia whose arm got bitten off by a shark was a massive thing so everyone then automatically Mm -hmm. assumed the same thing had happened to me do you have like a set of questions or like one particular question that that can really annoy you regarding your disability that other people can ask you um I mean the what happened is huge like I've been asked if I got into a car accident like I've been asked like different things because when you're born this way, it's like such an uncomfortable response because then people go, Oh, like they don't know what to say after. Yeah. Cause they you know, think and like it had to happen to make you the way that you are. Yeah. And then they're like, Oh, like that's really scary. And they just don't want to talk about it anymore. Like the response is really weird. So that's definitely like the big one that I'm just like, okay, you don't have a right to ask those questions to people. Like I don't go up to someone that I don't find attractive and say like, why are you so ugly? Or like, or why are you like that? Why do you look like this? You know, it's just such a very personal thing. And I always give the advice of like, you can see if someone's open to talking about their disability and say like, so what's your story? Or like, tell me about yourself. And then if they include it in their bio, you can maybe ask more questions in it. If they don't talk about it, then like, don't talk about it. It's not a debate or discussion. 
Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I usually talk about it when people ask about my life story and I, it's connected so much to my work now. So I'm like, you know, I was born with physical disability and, you know, it's informed my life a lot and, you know, I'll say things like that. So people know that they can ask me about it, but you know, it's like, if I'm in the checkout at the grocery store, I just got broken up with and I'm buying milk and I'm having a bad day. And someone's like, what happened to you? You're like, are you asking about my breakup? Are you asking? Are you asking because I'm in a bad mood? Are you asking? Are you asking why I think I have I'm so much ice cream? Because that ice cream is for yeah. me in my breakup, and I need to go like have yeah. a little moment with myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like that's you know the thing is like people think they have the right to know your story, and they don't know where you're at in your day when they're asking those questions. It's the same thing of like you know, someone asking you a very blunt question that's not taking into account of like, you're a human who has emotions and you have, you know, you just don't know where people are at when you're talking to them. So, um, you know, I think that's probably the biggest one for me. And then like, I hate when people will ask me to like show them my body parts. I think that's a really weird thing. Like some people will be like, well, can you, like, I've had this happen in zoom too. Cause like, you can't really see it fully when I'm on zoom and people will be like, can you like show me? (laughs) And I'm like, no, like, I just feel really weird about that. Like that almost just feels such an invasion of like, I don't know. And it's intrusive. Yeah. And I, I just think that's like, kind of crossing the line is to ask or like people will be oh can I see something of yours like in person when we're meeting and talking about it and I'm just like no <laughs> no this is for me you know, it's, it's different if it's like, like a really sure. good, yeah yeah it's like a, if it's a good friend who also has my disability we're both like in the room like taking off our shirts being like oh my god like this is crazy how similar it is you know but other than that I'm like no like I think it's <laughs> you know I think that's like a, a strange thing but yeah. I mean, and I, I, the other thing I just don't like too, is when people feel bad for you or they'll like want to pray for you or they'll want to like, oh my gosh, like, wow, like that must be, that was like terrible or, you know, or, or people will say the other thing that I've experienced, this is while we were shooting roommates. So a funny story is like, we all got into a cab or to a Uber to go have dinner and like the cab drivers, like opening up every door, like offering us water and being like, Oh my God, you guys are so interesting. Cool. I want to be friends with you. Cause we all three have like very different disabilities yeah. and like just so intense, like savior complex. And then, yeah. you know, we had a couple, every single time we had a couple of these like people. And then the last driver that they had taking them home from set was like super nice. Didn't mention their disability. Wasn't making a big deal about helping them. And they were like, Oh my God, he's so great. Like, this is what we wish our Uber drivers were all the time. <laughs> yeah. And then they drop, he drops them off. And he's like, you know, it's really nice to meet you guys. And, you know, just being with you guys during this drive made me realize that I'm really grateful to have my own life. (laughs) Oh my God. Like people don't understand, like to be an inspiration to someone else, you have to ask yourself, why are you inspired by them? Is it because you see that person as less than, and you're, you're like, wow, if I were them, I'd be angry and I'd be mad, you know, or whatever it is. Like it's always sometimes comes up is that like my body was not put on this planet to make you feel better about your own. Like my body is perfect the exact way it is. Like you do not see some form of inspiration from from me just like grabbing some food at Sainsbury's right really ridiculous right right yeah that is <laughs> like it, it amazes me sometimes because I think people think they're doing it to be nice and I think they're you know doing it like well done you just don't and you're like yeah yeah no wrong yeah so- and I mean that was the interesting thing about single too is some people were like this is over exaggerated it's not like that and I'm like oh no it is like every it, time it, I go to the grocery store there's like an incident or a look or some, some like, it depends what I'm wearing. If I'm wearing a coat and jeans, it's very different than if I'm wearing, you know, a dress or a tank top and shorts or whatever, you know, it's like, I, I actually like avoid wearing like tank tops and shorts specifically to the grocery store because it's like, <laughs> it's something of just like, there's kids, like it's so intense of an experience where like, I don't, I don't like being put on the spotlight anyways, you know, like I'm, a filmmaker behind the scenes for a reason, because I'm a little bit of like an introvert extrovert. Like I can do the extrovert thing, but I'm more comfortable, like 
behind the scenes. Yeah, so I, I'm just like, man, this is, it's so in, in, an intense experience, you know, and it's, it's fascinating. And sometimes I just want to do it as like an experience where like my husband secretively films what happens. Cause I think people don't realize what they're doing, you know, and it's, and he, especially for him, he's like, I see all the people who look at you when you don't, when you aren't looking. So like, he'll be a little away from me picking up something else on the shelf. And he's like, Oh wow. Like people are really like, you know, alarmed or I don't know. It's just like interesting. And and I mean, the thing about it and like what I have is like a lot of grace for humanity because when I first went to that SheLift event and saw my friends now, like who have one arm, I never seen someone who had one arm. I'd seen my body and I'd see different things. I never saw someone who had one arm in person. And I was like, all I kept wanting to do was stare. And you're like, okay, like this is what it feels like when people see me, you know? And it's a, that's an interesting experience. And I think it's good for disabled people to recognize that and not be like, why are you staring? You know, like it's uncomfortable to be stared at and people shouldn't do it because it makes you feel uncomfortable. But sometimes it's like, when I see something new, I'm like, oh, like you stop and recognize it, you know? And it's part of being human. And it's like, it's something new. It's your curiosity, your interest, but there's a way that people go about it after they initially notice. Yeah, it's that like what you do the, with the secondary piece of information that like makes the difference. Yes, your second step after you look and you notice that you clock it. You know, I always talk about clocking. Like that's something that I can always tell when people clock my body. You know, it's like they're looking and then they see and then it's like a hold, you know, and then it's like some people will go back to look again. Some people won't, you know, and it's just really, really fascinating. Like, yeah, those next steps after you see something that is new is like, you know, and, and, and part of the problem sometimes is like people were raised of like, don't stare, like look away. Like I told you, you know, like staring isn't nice. And like, so you ignore then disabled people. Like that's the other side that you don't want is yeah, like, it's you don't want to like, be ignored. It's such a sharp edge because you don't want yeah. to be ignored, but at the same time, like you don't need everybody to stare at you the whole time. And it's yeah. trying to find the like line in between. And I, I don't even know what that line is. And I'm a disabled yeah. woman. And like, I'm sure you probably don't either, but Right. But there is a fine line somewhere. I'm just not sure where the line is. We right, exactly. Maybe you should explore that as I connect though. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's such a, you know, yeah, there's so many things to explore with disability. And that's what excites me is like, even if it's not about disability, throw in a disabled character, you'll get to know more about the world. You know, it's like there's just so many rich opportunities for it. And I I'm excited to have more stuff made. I'm like, I'm just ready to shoot things. I'm like, let's go. Let's let's shoot more stuff. Cause that's my favorite part of filmmaking is like the actual making of it. It's so interesting and you're rushed against time. But then like when you capture something and you get that magic in that moment, that's like, that was really good. That was really real. That felt great. It's like a piece of a puzzle, you know? And that's what I, that's what I love about the process. And then like, editing is very painful because you get to learn all your mistakes and you're like, yeah. why did I not get this? Or why did I cut too yeah. early? Or why did I, you know, if he just didn't look that way, you know, it's like, there's so many um, things that you run up against, which is painful, but I also enjoy it because it's like, it's that puzzle, you know, it's that p- unknown puzzle. It's like, is it all going to come together? There's like a little mystery with it. I really analyze like, why do I like this career? Cause it's so hard. It's so hard to get stuff made so hard to make like a living when you're kind of starting out there's just you have to be like hustling in so many different ways and you know it takes forever it's like you have an idea it doesn't get made for two years you know it's um but I think it is a little bit of that like mystery the adrenaline of like it working out and it you finally have something and you're like wow I can't believe we finished that you know and so. also there's like a real level of artistry to it as well. And yeah, yeah. You get to express yeah. your emotions in ways that like, you know, you can't otherwise. And I think visually expressing something is, is my medium. It's like my art, you know, it's the way I communicate what I'm feeling. And I think yeah. that's, that's really fun. So, so I have one last question for you. And um, this mm-hmm. is like, this is my favorite because everybody answers it the exact same and everyone tries to be like oh now I have to answer it differently but but nobody can so my final question is Ashley are you disabled and proud yes duh (laughs) everyone
everyone is always like, yeah, obviously. And I'm like, yes, that's the answer that I want. (laughs) (laughs) But it took me a long time to get here. I mean, I finally am feeling that where I didn't my whole life, you know, and I, I, I mean, disability was like, someone would say that to me and I would cry. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a big journey, shift. Right? It's, 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 a, it's a big shift. It's a really big shift. And like, now it's really interesting. I have an opposite reaction when people don't want to say disabled. I go, well, why? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I have to like, kind of be like, I used to be there, like give them space, give them time to understand that journey, to get to a place of being like proud of it and being like, yeah, because because I love the community so much and I love the people I meet. That's what keeps me like anchored to it. You know, is like I love those kids I see who have my disability. I love all the interesting people and women that I'm like, I'd just be friends with them even if we both didn't have disabilities, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I like that's the same for me. Having these conversations reminds me as mm-hmm. to why I love having these conversations because everybody has a similar type of experience. Um, right. but then it's also very individual to the person. And I, and I love mm-hmm. hearing about people's, like how they approach disability and how they've, you know, gone through their life with it or, you know, younger people, how they're very, very proud of it immediately. Or, you know, or, yeah. or people who like yourself, you know, have come to terms with it a bit later on. And I think it's fascinating, mm-hmm. but that's what makes me so excited yeah. about this podcast is because there are so many different disabilities and there are so many different ways to express it and react to it and and mm-hmm. hopefully this gives like you know a slice of that because yeah that I've had on this conversation like with this conversation I've, I've said the same thing and I think that's amazing yeah that's really cool I can't wait to listen to more episodes because I'm like I just want to you know dig in I'm excited but thank you so much for coming on today I really appreciate you giving up your time and and having this conversation with me and I think it's going to be super impactful for a lot of people so thank you very much for coming on yeah thanks so much thanks for listening to this episode of disabled and proud if you've enjoyed the show then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts it really helps us to reach more and more people each week plus if you've got a particular highlight then i'd absolutely love to hear it tag me on your insta stories at disabled and proud podcast